Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to be back with you again one more time today. And amen. Thank you all for the hospitality. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne, Jeannie, all of you for the wonderful time we've had. And it has been a good time. Uh, you are a well-taught church. Amen. You really are. You really are. Uh, we were talking about the fact, you know, you go some places and you know you're plowing the ground and the ground is hard. But you go to some places and it's easy to plow the ground because it's already been softened up by the word of God and the receptivity of people to it. So God bless each and every one of you. I just commend you uh, and your commitment to this ministry. Of course, first and foremost, to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and to your pastor and this ministry, because we need great churches all across the land. You all know, don't you, that 75% of the churches in the United States of America have rejected the word of God, rejected the Bible, uh, they believe that if you believe as I do, that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of the living God, that you are engaged in what they call Bible idolatry. In other words, you ought to listen to what they say, not what the Bible says. Uh, I think I'll stick with the Bible because let every man be a liar. But God is true. Amen. 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 Now, I've had many people ask me about connecting with me and all of that. And rather than getting into a long dissertation, I do have a, uh, an app called E.W. Jackson, the E.W. Jackson app. You can get it on your Google Play Store. You can get it on the Apple Store. And that will connect you to pretty much everything that I'm doing because I run several organizations and we got several programs uh, that are happening around the country and more being added all the time. I'm on National Religious Broadcasters Television Network and uh, soon to be on, if I'm not on already, I always say it this way because my team is working on this. I'm never quite sure where they are to be on Andrew Womack Network uh, here shortly. Amen. So that's the best way to sort of connect to everything that I'm doing and find out more about Stan, staying true to America's national destiny, which is our nonprofit organization that is on a mission to bring Christians particularly, but all Americans ultimately together across racial and cultural lines to uphold our Judeo-Christian values and principles, the values and principles that I believe made America the greatest nation in the history of mankind. And we want to preserve what we've got. I talked about that earlier. We've got to preserve and protect and defend the gift. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, tonight, for the brief time I have with you, I want to call your attention to a scripture in the book of Proverbs with which I'm sure you are very familiar. It's verses five through seven, which simply read, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I want to talk for a few moments from this subject, how to trust God, how to trust God. Now, on December 22nd of this past year, for those of you who heard me earlier today, uh, I celebrated 45 years of walking with the Lord. 
45 years since I've been saved. And I have to admit, I've seen a lot in the body of Christ over those 45 years. And not all of it has been good. I've seen some things happen in the body of Christ that were disappointing, disheartening. I saw things happen that would dislodge some people from walking with God and indeed did dislodge people along the way from walking with God. And I want to suggest to you that while I know these things are more complicated than perhaps one subject can make them, I want to suggest to you that one of the things that I think leads to that is a failure to understand how to trust God. Now, I know probably all of you in here are thinking, well, I have faith in God. Absolutely. I want to suggest to you that trust in God and faith in God, while they overlap, are not quite the same thing. They are related, and there's no question they are intertwined. But there's a distinction between the two, and we all need both operating in our lives. So let's talk a little bit about what that distinction is. First of all, I would say faith is a spiritual tool. It is a weapon, if you will, of spiritual warfare, uh, of, of, of overcoming challenges. It's a specific force that can be used in specific situations. Like, I've got a problem over here, and God, I'm believing you to solve that problem. Uh, I've got a, a sick friend, or maybe illness has struck my body. Lord, I'm believing you for my healing. Very specific, very focused. Trust is a little bit different. Because trust is a more general expression of how we as Christians relate to the circumstances and even the outcomes of the things that we confront, particularly when they don't seem to, working, to be working out the way we want it or expect it. Now, my wife and I have been in Virginia for 23 years. We moved there from Massachusetts. Um, before we left Massachusetts, I was doing several things. Uh, I was a chaplain for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I was a fire chaplain for the Boston Fire Department. And I was running a, a, a gospel radio station, first one in the history of Boston. And around the early 90s, I'd been doing this for several years, the radio station for about nine years, uh, chaplains for, chaplain for the Red Sox and the fire department for about five years. And suddenly things seemed to go awry. Uh, first, new management took over the Red Sox, and what I would do is I would arrive at the Red Sox clubhouse around uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I would preach there and then leave there and go to my church and preach there. And what happened was new management took over, and they started sort of moving the time for the chaplain services around, and sometimes even making it impossible to do them because they were coming along so late that I couldn't do it, or there was so little time, it was barely worth it for me to stay because I wasn't going to be able to get to my own church on time. And ultimately, they decided they just didn't want to do that anymore. 
And so that chaplaincy just evaporated. And while I saw this happening, I was praying, Lord, this is, this is a wonderful opportunity to impact people who have influence on others. Lord God, work that out. Open that door. Keep, Father God, make it possible for me to do that. My specific faith on that specific situation. But it didn't work out that way. And then when I was fired uh, chaplain, uh, a new mayor got elected and established a rule that if you did not live within the confines of the city of Boston, you could not be on staff for any department of the city, including the fire department, even though I was just on call. And so I had people actually come to me and say to me, well, then Reverend Jack, well, Reverend, just find a friend's address or a relative's address and just give them a Boston address and, 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 and move on. I said, well, I can't do that. Well, what's, what's the problem? I said, it would be a lie. I'm not going to lie to keep the position. I said, I'm not going to have somebody say, oh, this so-called chaplain lied to keep the chaplaincy. I said, what kind of sense does that make? I said, but God, work it out. Carve out an exception. Make it possible for me to minister to these firefighters who have been injured. I mean, I showed up at some very, very heartbreaking situations where the power of God was desperately needed to help make people strong enough to deal with what they were dealing with. Firefighters injured in firefights. Uh, firefighters dropping dead in their homes from, as a result of, of injuries they'd suffered over the years. And, and I was showing up at these situations and bringing the power of God to bear. Lord God, somehow, Lord, you'll open that door. You'll make a way. But I got fired. And I think I said to you already, uh, the city of Boston had never had a gospel radio station, ever. I established the first one. Happened by kind of quirk. I know it was the movement of God, but I was, I was practicing law and I was representing a radio station. The radio station went bankrupt and they had all kinds of difficulties and it happened to be if you all will forgive me for these references, just to give you context, but it happened to be an urban radio station that was playing R&B music, uh, and, but the owners were absentee owners who lived in a, another state. The, the format, the staff were all black, the owners were all white, and when they went bankrupt and asked me to, to represent them in the bankruptcy, um, in, in the process, they were trying to figure out how to save the radio station, how to keep it going, and they turned to me and said, well, look, you, you understand that you've represented us. Would you be willing to take over and run it? And I said, well, of course, at that point, the court would have to have approved that. I said, I'm willing to do that if, if you don't have any objection to be making a gospel radio station. I'm not going to run an R&B station. I'm not going to run a station for some other kind of music. It's got to be music that is going to glorify God. Well, they agreed with that. And off I ran running this radio station. And, 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 and not only running it, but I had to withdraw as their attorney because I was seeking, well, I'll buy it. And Boston will have its first full-time gospel radio station. Praise God. And I did that for nine years. And a recession hit and problems happened and, 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 and financing drew, uh, uh, dried up. And I prayed and I fasted. I said, Lord God, this is a powerful tool of testimony to you. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm just believing that you're going to make a way. But the radio station closed up. 
Now, my faith was specifically directed at specific outcomes that I was believing God for. Now, people can judge me and say, well, I guess, Bishop Jackson, that your faith just wasn't good enough. I just, it was, maybe not. But I learned something through those experiences, experiences and others. That there, there comes a moment in our Christian walk where you may not understand what God is doing. Or you may not understand why things are working out the way they're working out. And you may begin to condemn yourself or feel like, well, Lord, help me. My, my faith just doesn't seem to be doing or accomplishing what it, what, what, what it should be accomplishing. Lord God, what is going on? That's the moment at which you better know the difference between faith and trust. Because you see, faith says, I believe God for this. I understand what my circumstances are. I understand what the challenges are. And I am believing God for this outcome. But trust says, Lord, I may not understand what is going on at all. But I trust you through it all. And no matter what the outcome, I am going to be standing with you, believing you. Got to Boston and... Over a period of years, God called me into the political world, and, and I ended up running for office every time I ran. I ran three times, got uh, nominated for uh, 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 lieutenant governor for the Republican Party in Virginia, and every time I ran, I ran with the absolute conviction that God had called me to do it and said to people, I wouldn't do it without that. And people say, well, why are you as a preacher getting involved in politics? I say, you don't know what the Lord told me. You don't know, you weren't there, you don't know when, and you don't know where. <laughs> I'm going to do what I really believe God has told me to do. And so I ran, even got the nomination for lieutenant governor, but I didn't win. And yet I knew that God told me to run. And by the way, I was praying to win and believing to win and believing God for victory. And it experienced many faith victories throughout my life. But these experiences taught me a lesson. There comes a moment when the way your faith is guiding and directing and the way you've directed it doesn't produce the outcome you expected. And that's the moment at which you better know how to trust God. Because I've seen many people in that situation who turn their backs on God as if God failed them, as if God didn't do for them what they expected him to do. See, faith and trust overlap, but they are not the same thing. You believe in God for healing. He, he's already promised you by his stripes you were healed. You've got a right to believe for that. And you ought to believe for that. You're believing God for, for some kind of, 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 of deliverance from something that's plaguing you. God promised you deliverance. He said, with long, he said, I will deliver you and honor you. You've got a right to believe that. But let me tell you something, saints. There comes a moment when you can't find a scripture for what you're believing for. For example, 
Lord God, I found the perfect job for me. And it, oh God, this is it. This is it. And then you don't get it. Now you can't turn to job chapter one. And even though your heart was set on it, it just didn't work out the way you thought it would work out. That's where we've got to learn to trust God. You know the word. The word is on the inside of you. And you may say, look, Lord, I prayed. I confessed your word. I, I believed you. But, oh, God, oh, God, that is not the time, saints. And please, I, I know you will receive this in the right way. That is not the time to say, oh, God, why? That is the time to say, oh, God, I trust you no matter what. I will never turn my back on you. I will never walk away from you. I will never give up on you. I may not understand what's going on, but, Lord, I trust you through it. See, I think the failure of a lot of people to trust God is, where, is why our culture is where it is today. Because people, when it comes right down to it, they put their trust in something else. We're in the middle of this pandemic. And we've had a lot of edicts and a lot of mandates and a lot of orders come down from on high, from, from what I call the little petty tyrants who have raised their ugly heads in the midst of this and decided, oh, what a wonderful thing it is to be able to control the lives of other people. And tell them when they can and cannot go out and when they can and cannot go to church and, and what they must and must not, must not do and, and that they must inject their bodies with something even though they maybe have a conviction that God is telling them not to. And a lot of people succumb not because they think it's the best thing to do but because they trust the government more than they trust Almighty God. And there comes a point at which you've got to say, Lord, I trust you no matter. I don't care what the experts, experts say. I don't care what the government says. I trust you no matter what. When they ordered us in Virginia, the former governor now, by the way, I ran for lieutenant governor. I ran against the former governor for lieutenant governor. He's the same governor who accused everybody in the world of being a racist. And when we did a TV debate, I reached out to shake his hand. He wouldn't shake my hand. I don't feel bad. He ought to. In fact, later on, I said, maybe it's a good thing. But we, we have got to trust God no matter what. You know, trusting God means you trust him with your life. You trust him with everything. Even when you don't quite get it. And there have been times in my 45-year walk with God when I have to tell you I've been scratching my head. <laughs> Say, Lord, what, what is going on here? I have to tell you, you all heard me, if those of you heard me earlier say that my wife and I have a grandbaby coming in March. In fact, my daughter just called me and tell, gave me my granddaughter's name. So, I, listen, I, I am walking on cloud nine no matter what. In fact, while we were having lunch, uh, uh, Pastor Dwayne and, and, and Jeannie and I was when I got the news 
And shortly thereafter, the waitress came up and was reading and telling us about the menu. And I'm looking at it, but I wouldn't hear the words she was saying. <laughs> and then I, I kind of woke up and said, oh, yes. <laughs> but I have spent years listening to my friends tell me about their grandchildren. How many they've got. And saying, Lord, wow, my wife and I are getting up in age and we have no grandchildren. But I trust you. I trust you no matter what. Somebody said, well, Bishop Jackson, what if your daughter wasn't pregnant? What if there were no grandchildren? I trust him anyway. I trust him no matter what. You see, trust means I don't have to understand it. I trust God anyway. I, when I was running for office, I ran across a lot of Christians, and I would challenge them. I would say, wait a minute, you're a Christian. How can you vote for people who support the killing of unborn babies? And when I would talk to black Christians, I would say, and 38 to 40% of those babies are the babies of black women. How can you support a party that tells you that that's okay when the whole thing was conceived by a woman who was racist and consorted with the Ku Klux Klan and admired Adolf Hitler? I had one woman, I tried to shake hands with her uh, coming into the supermarket and she said, wait a minute. Are you a Republican? I said, well, yeah. I'm not shaking your hand. I said, well, now, wait a minute. I said, are you a Christian? I certainly am. I believe in Jesus. I said, well, doesn't he tell us to love one another? I don't care. I'm going. I'm there. Because she put more trust in that party than she put in almighty God. We've got to learn to put our trust in God first and foremost. That means I don't put my, I've been blessed to have a great education. I don't put my trust in my education. I got a degree from Harvard Law School. Lord knows I don't put my trust in Harvard. <laughs> I mean, right, Harvard was the one who introduced us. Let's ca stop calling them pregnant women. Let's call them birthing people because we all know that women aren't the only ones who can have babies. Yeah, that came right out of Harvard. I said, I, I, I actually, when I got saved, I was at Harvard Law School. I cross-registered, took courses at Harvard Divinity School, and then I decided I didn't want to finish at Harvard Divinity School because it wasn't divine at all. I mean, it was an abomination even back in the 70s. So we don't put our trust in our degrees. We don't put our trust in who we know. And our, our, our little human contacts and connections. And look, I, I happen to be a member of a political party, but I don't put my trust in any political party. I don't put my trust in race. I don't put my trust in politics. I don't really believe that politics is going to save America. I believe that it is going to be the power of God and an awakening in this nation that is going to save this country from all of its mistakes and all of its confusion. So we've got to learn to put our trust first and foremost in Almighty God. You know, I fly a lot, and I tell my church all the time, pray for me. Pray for the pilot. 
pray for the airplane. But you know what? I don't put my trust ultimately in the pilot or in the airplane because I know there's someone greater than the pilot and greater than the airplane. I got off an airplane one time that had landed. Uh, I think I was landing in Boston because we have a church in Boston. I'm, I'm back and forth there. And I, I mean, it felt like the pilot was just struggling trying to get that plane. It was a very windy day. And it felt like he was just struggling. And so as I was leaving, the, I saw the pilot coming up and I said, you know, wow. I said, you know, that, that felt pretty interesting back there. I said, but you probably experience this all the time. Probably the kind of thing you handle all the time. He said, oh, that was one of the worst times I'd ever had. I said, oh, my goodness. Don't tell me that. <laughs> but we put our trust ultimately in Almighty God. So let me just say to you, how do you do that? You've got to remember certain things when stuff doesn't make sense. And will all of you agree there are times when things don't seem to make sense? When you, you can't just figure it out and find a convenient verse. Oh, yeah, yeah, that applies. Where you're kind of struggling and wrestling with what's going on. Here's number one. You've got to remember that God loves you. No matter what. God loves you. He is for you. So no, no matter what the circumstances look like, Always remember, the Bible says, what matter of love is this that we should be called the children of God? God loves you. The Bible says he's numbered every hair on your head, not counted, but numbered. That means he knows hair number 10 from hair number 3,023. And for those of us who don't have any, he's still, he knows the numbers of the ones you had. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. So even when you don't understand what's going on, remember, I, I tell people that about our country. I say, I don't care how bad things might look right now. Remember, the people of God have been crying out to God in behalf of this nation. God hears and answers our prayers. Say, well, then, Bishop Jackson, how could that election have happened? I say, look, I don't have the answer to that. I do know this. God loves us. He hears us. He cares about us, and he is not going to leave us in the lurch. The word says, those who put their trust in him will not be ashamed. In other words, you're never going to be embarrassed for having put, in your, having put your trust in Almighty God. He loves you. And number two, he wants to help you. You know, sometimes we seem to have a picture of God of his sitting back, kind of watching us struggle. Kind of just, oh, let me see how you make out. That's, that's not what the Bible teaches about God. It teaches that he's intimately involved with our circumstances. He wants to help us. Even Daniel, an old covenant saint, when he prayed and the angel finally showed up, he said, the moment you prayed, I was dispatched. See, the moment you prayed, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, he said, when you pray, believe you've already received it. Because the moment you pray, God hears. He is intimately involved with your circumstances and he is always working it out even when you can't see it. Because remember, faith is working in the realm of the unseen. You can't see it. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. So when you're in one of those circumstances like I was in where I'm saying, Lord, what's happening? The, my chaplaincies are gone. The radio station is gone. What in the world is going on? I have to learn to trust God because what I didn't understand then was God was preparing us to leave Massachusetts and move to Virginia. 
and he was removing everything that kept me tied down there so that we would be prepared to go when the time came. I couldn't see that then, but God could. See, so, so he's intimately involved with your circumstances. He's not sitting back watching you twist slowly in the wind. Don't let anybody convince you of that. God is not enjoying your suffering, your pain, your problem. He's not enjoying watching you struggle. God is moving in your behalf. You just have to trust him even when you don't understand how he's working it out. Just trust him. Just trust him. He wants to help you. The third thing is this. He has the power to help you. I mean, there is no limit to what God can do. I've looked up and watched things unfold sometimes in my life and just kind of stood back. I know God is almighty. I know he's all powerful, but just stood back and all said, wow. <coughs> wow, God. <laughs> I never saw it coming that way. Never expected that to happen. Never expected you to move in that way. But, you know, God can take a crooked stick and hit a straight lick. <laughs> you think help is coming this way and it's coming that way. You think in order to get what you need, you need to do this. And God says, no, 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 no. I, believe me, I've got it covered. I'm going to have you do it this way. You know, the Bible says the children of Israel were crying out to God and God heard their cries and heard their pleas. And then Moses got, I believe, really believe, caught up in the inspiration of that and decided he was going to deliver the children of Israel and ended up killing an Egyptian and thought, this is it. I, I am going to deliver these people from all of this bondage. Not quite yet. You got about 40 years of training to go through. But it didn't mean that God didn't care. It was that he knew that Moses needed something more than, than he had then. He prepared Moses as a shepherd and then met Moses on the backside of a mountain in a burning bush. Not the way Moses would have wanted it. He thought he was ready then. But he wasn't. You know, sometimes that's the problem. Sometimes we think we're ready now. And God says, but you're not. Let me work with you a little bit longer. Let me get you ready. Let me prepare the way for you. God has the power to help you. There's no limit to his power. You know, one of the things I learned when I was at Harvard Divinity School, and one of the reasons why I didn't finish there, was there were professors there who were teaching us the, 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 the concept of the limited God. I'm serious. I'm not making it up. And I'll never forget it. One of my professors said, think of it this way. God is like the father who's good and would love to buy his child a pair of shoes, but he just doesn't have the money to do it. And you know what I thought? Let me get out of here. Because even at that young stage of my Christian life, I'd read enough of the Bible to know that that was not the God I was reading about in the Bible. Because the God I read, I read about in the Bible spoke and worlds came into existence. That in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men and the light shined in darkness and the darkness overcame it not. And I thought to myself, the God I serve is able to do anything, anything he wants to do, anything he needs to do, my God can do. And the same is true for you. I had a 
a, a desmoid tumor. And uh, it's a very rare tumor. And it suddenly popped up, and I thought it was some kind of muscle spasm. And finally, went to the doctor. And the doctor, believe it or not, here again, I don't put my trust ultimately in experts, because the doctor felt my chest and said, I don't feel anything. You know what I told him? I just, just, just the way I said it. I said, well, I've had this body all my life. There's something there. <laughs> I, just like that. He said, well, okay. He said, we'll send you for a sonogram or whatever it was, ultrasound. He said, oh, okay. When he went and got the report back, he said, yeah, you were right. There's something there. I said, I told you. He said, well, let's do a biopsy. They did a biopsy. Come to find out it was a desmoid tumor. That thing got as big as a grapefruit on my chest. I finally went to a doctor. They were trying all kinds of stuff, chemotherapy, this, that, and the other. And I finally went to a doctor, and I said, he said, well, look, he said, what we ultimately need to do, folks, here again, no exaggeration, what we ultimately need to do is take out all the ribs on the right side of your chest and replace those with fiberglass ribs. We'll take skin grafts from the parts of your body and drape that across the ribs. He said, and then... You know, we, you should be in pretty good shape. I said, well, can we guarantee it won't come back? He said, no. I said, how long is that operation? About 10 or 12 hours. And I said, well, what if I don't get the operation? He said, it's going to probably kill you. And I said, well, have you ever seen anybody heal from it? It just spontaneously goes away. He said, yeah, I've heard people tell those stories. He said, but I've never seen it. And I said, well, you watch. And I went to God and went to work on that thing by my faith and said, now, Desmond Tumor, this body belongs to Jesus Christ. And I am his child, and by his stripes I was healed, and I command you to leave my body and cease from troubling me ever again. And my brothers and sisters, literally, literally, from that moment on, that thing began to shrink. When I finally went back to the doctor and my chest was flat, no tumor, he said, well, that looks good. He said, but we better, we better check it out. Checked it out. You know what he said? Came back and said, you know what? He said, it's almost like there's a little scar, like somebody cut it out. I said, somebody did. <laughs> the Lord Jesus Christ cut it out. See, God wants to help you. He's got power to help you. What are you facing right now that's got you all twisted up and turned up? Maybe it's something cosmic like the nature of the country. What's going on in our nation right now? Or maybe it's something personal that's going on with you and your life and your family. God has the power to help you. You've got to know that. Well, Bishop, but he hasn't yet. Oh, yes, he has. He already has. He said, the plans I have for you are to do you good and not harm, to give you hope and a future and an expected end. That doesn't include that thing that's trying to harm you. It's got to go. First thing you need to do is tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Take authority. Or we just got finished singing about authority, right? Take authority over that thing in the name of Jesus. God has the power to help you. And here's the last thing. I always remember when I get to a point where, Lord, what is going How, how is this working out, oh God? I remember that God will help me. He already has. It's just a matter of how it's going to manifest. It's not a matter of if or whether. It's only a matter of when that thing manifests in my life. 
You know, I've often taken solace from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because, you know, they were told, bow down, bow down to the golden statue that the king has set up. And I've, I've heard something similar. Bow down to the politics of the Democrat Party. Bow down to the politics and ideology of being black. Bow down to all of this cultural nonsense that we see going on. If you don't bow down, we're going to make you bow. I'm still standing. And I'm not about to bow. Hallelujah. And I've often thought that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego must have gone through that kind of faith crisis, believing God for their safety, and suddenly it's like the world falls in on them. And, and they're told, look, either you bow down or, or you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. And I'm sure they must have been praying and saying, well, Lord... <laughs> You've heard the edict of the king. You know what's supposed to happen to us. Father God, deliver us. They got arrested and they weren't delivered. They were held and they weren't delivered. Now look, I can imagine, can you imagine the perp walk to the fiery furnace? I, can, I, I could see myself about 10 feet from it looking up saying, Lord, now would be a good time. But they went in. They went all the way in. Their deliverance manifested in the place that they thought was going to destroy them. Remember, they had confessed, though, not only that God is able. That's the part of that, that chapter that we confess. God, they said God is able. They said more. They said he will deliver us. He will deliver us and God will deliver you no matter what the circumstances of your life. He will deliver you. And they got into the fiery furnace and God took the heat out of the flame. God took all, all, all of the hurt, said when they brought him out, said that their clothes weren't even singed. But when the king looked inside, he realized it wasn't just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. When he looked and he found somebody else in there with him who look like the son of God. My brothers and sisters, you've got to trust God in the middle of the fiery furnace. Trust God in the middle of your trial. Some of these teachers and some of these Christians who've lost their jobs standing up against this secular Marxist ra uh, uh, racial and sexual perversion that is going on in our schools and in our corporate offices and in our institutions. They're getting fired. They seem to be on the outside looking in, but God is not done with them yet. They fired them, but God's not finished yet. They fired my friend, uh, uh, Kelvin Cochran. They fired him from the Atlanta Fire Department as the chief because he, he was teaching that marriage is a union between one man and one woman. And by the way, I don't mind telling you, Kelvin Cochran was a black man, and the man who fired him was a black male. So much for racial solidarity. See, that, that, the, the, the issue is not race, it's righteousness. But I tell you what, Kelvin Cochran continued to preach the same thing. And he said, he may have taken my career, but he hasn't taken my voice. He hasn't taken my relationship with God. And he got, he got invited to even more churches to preach. Preached in my church, preached at my conferences. But you know what? Later on, we found out that the city had to write him a check for a million dollars for having violated his constitutional rights. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Look, David was an outlaw. 
when he said these words. David was on the run and Saul was trying to kill him when David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. You see, praise is the language of trust. In other words, don't wait till your victory is over. Don't wait till you get your breakthrough. Don't wait till something good happens. Praise God anyhow. In fact, when something goes wrong, just praise him anyhow. Don't praise him because something went wrong. Praise him in spite of something having gone wrong. Praise him because when you praise him, you say, Lord, I trust you no matter what. Hallelujah. Glory to God. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all my fears. I looked to him and we were radiant and our faces were not ashamed. The angel of the Lord and camps round about those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now look, blessed is the man who what? Trusts in him. Lord, I didn't expect to be on the run for my life right now. I thought I was on an easy pathway to the kingship. And here the king's trying to kill me. But I'm going to bless your name anyhow. Hallelujah. We've got to praise him anyhow. Praise him because he's good. Praise him because he's holy. Praise him because he's righteous. Praise him because he's loving and tender and kind and merciful and forgiving. Praise him because he's worthy of the praise. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Nisi, our victory. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is Jehovah Gamola, our reward. He is the lily of the valley and the bright and morning star. He is the rose of Sharon, the prince of peace, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the most high God, El Elyon. May I talk about him just a little while longer. Jesus, my rock. Jesus, my joy. Jesus, my hope. Jesus, my everything, my all in all. He's the best thing that ever happened to us. He's a rock in a weary land and a shelter in a time of storm and a friend on every hand. He's a father to the fatherless and he's a friend to the friendless, a doctor in the sick room, a lawyer in the courtroom, and a help on every hand. Can nobody do me like Jesus? Can nobody do me like the Lord? He's my friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me quit. Hallelujah. He's the best thing that ever happened to us. Can I talk about him as I go to my seat? Let me tell you something. He put the blue in the sky. He put the shine in the sun. He put the glow in the moon. He put the mane on the lion. He put the stripes on the tiger and the zebra. He put the shell on the turtle and the mask on the raccoon. Hallelujah. He put the foam on the ocean. All things bright and beautiful. All creatures great and small. All things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all. He gave us eyes to see them and lips that we might tell how great is God Almighty who has done all things well. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly. So join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.